Welcome to the Council of Institutional Investors podcast on corporate governance and financial regulation. I'm Jeff Mahoney, the General Counsel of CII. The purpose of these monthly podcast episodes is to update CII members and the general public on developments in corporate governance and related CII advocacy activities, all in connection with the administration's initiative to reform the U.S. financial regulatory system. This update covers the period from November 1st to November 27th. So let's get started with the Securities and Exchange Commission. On November 4th, the SEC extended until July 3rd, 2023, the effective date of a 2017 no-action letter. That letter was issued to assist market participants regarding their U.S.-regulated activities as they engage in efforts to comply with the research provisions in the European Union's Markets and Financial Instruments Directive 2, or so-called MIFID 2, and related implementing rules and regulations. Under the extension, SEC staff would not recommend enforcement action to the Commission under the Investment Advisors Act against broker-dealers receiving payments in hard dollars or through research payment accounts from clients subject to MIFID II. The extension letter also highlights the continued ability of broker-dealers to receive payments for research under Section 28E of the Securities Exchange Act of 1934 through Client Commission Arrangements, or so-called CCAs. Extension letter notes that the use of CCAs, quote, does not affect whether the exclusion for broker-dealers from the definition of investment advisor under the Advisors Act may be available, unquote. On November 5th, the SEC proposed two new rules by a vote of 3-2, to two, with Commissioners Robert J. Jackson Jr. and Allison Heron Lee dissenting from both proposals. The first proposal amends the Commission's rules governing proxy solicitations intended to, quote, ensure that proxy voting advice used by investors and others who vote on investors' behalf is accurate, transparent, and materially complete, unquote. The proposal would condition the availability of certain existing exemptions in Exchange Act Rule 14A-2B from the information and filing requirements of the proxy rules. Specifically, proxy voting advice businesses relying on such exemptions would be subject to, among other measures, three new requirements. The first requirement would be to provide specified disclosures about their material conflicts of interest. The second requirement would provide that the proxy advisory firms include in their proxy voting advice and in any electronic medium used to deliver the advice a hyperlink that leads to the registrant's statement about the proxy advisor's voting advice. The third requirement in the proposal states that proxy advisory firms must provide registrants and certain other soliciting persons covered by its proxy voting advice a limited amount of time to review and provide feedback on the advice before it is disseminated to the business's clients. In addition, the proposal would codify the Commission's recently issued interpretation clarifying that proxy voting advice issued by proxy advisory firms generally constitutes a solicitation under Exchange Act Rule 14A-1L. It also amends Rule 14A-9 to include examples of when the failure to disclose certain information in the proxy voting advice could be considered misleading within the meaning of the rule. Chairman Jay Clayton stressed that the proxy plumbing and the proxy card also are in need of modernization and retrospective review and said he has instructed the Commission staff to prepare recommendations in these areas. 
The second proposal issued on November 5th by the SEC, also by a vote of three to two with Commissioners Jackson and Lee dissenting, provides proposed amendments to the procedural requirements for shareholder proposals under Exchange Act Rule 14A8 as part of the Commission's, quote, ongoing focus on improving the proxy process and the ability of shareholders to exercise their voting rights, unquote. The proposed amendments would replace the current ownership requirements in Rule 14A-8B that the shareholder hold at least $2,000 or 1% of a company's securities for one year to be eligible to submit a proposal with a tiered approach. The proposed amendments provide three options for demonstrating an ownership stake through a combination of amount of securities owned and length of time held. Specifically, a shareholder would be eligible to submit a proposal if it continuously held at least $2,000 of the firm's securities for at least three years, or $15,000 of the firm's securities for at least two years, or $25,000 of the firm's securities for at least one year. The proposal would also amend Rule 14A8's procedural and eligibility requirements in two ways. First, by eliminating the current 1% ownership threshold, which historically has not been utilized. And second, by requiring a shareholder who utilizes a representative to submit a proposal to, quote, provide documentation to make clear that the representative is authorized to act on the shareholder proponent's behalf, unquote. And to, quote, provide a meaningful degree of assurance, unquote, as to the shareholder's quote, identity and role and interest, unquote, in the proposal. The Commission also proposes to apply the current one proposal limit, which bars the submission of multiple proposals by a single shareholder to each person rather than each shareholder. Under the amendment to the one proposal limit, the shareholder would not be permitted to submit one proposal in the shareholder's own name and, quote, simultaneously serve as a representative to submit a different proposal on another shareholder's behalf for consideration at the same meeting, unquote. In addition, the Commission proposes amendments to Rule 14A8I12 that would replace the current resubmission thresholds of 3, 6, and 10 percent with new thresholds of 5, 15, and 25 percent, respectively. Notably, the proposed amendments include an additional provision allowing for the exclusion of proposals that have been submitted three or more times in the preceding five years if they meet two conditions. First, they receive more than 25%, but less than 50% of the vote. And second, support declined by more than 10% the last time substantially the same subject matter was voted on compared to the immediately preceding vote. Comments on both of these proposals will be due 60 days following their publication in the Federal Register, which has not yet occurred. On November 5th, CII issued a press release and a fact sheet in response to the two SEC proposals. In that press release, Ken Birch, CII's executive director, stated, quote, CEOs do not like public challenges to how and how much they are paid or to be second-guessed by the shareholders on a range of environmental, social, and governance matters. That is what is driving the concerted effort by lobbyists for CEOs to prod the SEC to shackle proxy advisory firms and limit shareholder proposals. The rules are an unnecessary interference in the free market and would impede investors' voice on critical matters at U.S. public companies, unquote. Mr. Birch also indicated that the proposals will, quote, make it harder and more expensive for institutional investors to get the expert advice they need to hold executives accountable and, in turn, to make it less likely that investors vote against management or even vote at all, unquote. 
On November 14th, CII sent a letter to the SEC asking for supplemental information about its proposed rules allowing public companies to review proxy advisory firm reports twice before they are sent to investor clients. The letter also requested more information on the analysis SEC staff conducted of alleged errors by proxy advisors. To bolster the appeal for additional information related to alleged errors, CII also filed a Freedom of Information Act request with the SEC. The FOIA request seeks disclosure of all documents, spreadsheets, and other material produced and reviewed by SEC staffers when they compiled a table on page 96 of the Economic Analysis section of the proposed rule showing alleged errors by proxy advisors. In its letter, CII said the SEC's very general description of the novel and highly prescriptive issuer review and publication requirements in the proposed rule on proxy advisory firms makes it difficult for CII to provide meaningful comments on a number of critical issues. As a result, we request the Commission to provide supplemental clarifying information to the rulemaking record offering more details about precisely how the review process would work. The letter also asked the SEC to answer 12 questions about how the corporate review process and other aspects of the proxy advisory firm proposal would work in various circumstances. Regarding the table entitled Registrant Concerns Identified in Additional Definitive Proxy Materials on page 96 of the Economic Analysis section of the rule, the letter asked the SEC to provide the underlying white paper or other staff study for the results that are summarized in the table. The table shows 2016 through 2018 statistics for the number of times companies express concerns about, quote, factual errors, analytical errors, general or policy disputes, amended or modified proposals or others, unquote. CII plans to use the information provided by the SEC in response to this request to conduct its own analysis and include the results in a comment letter to the SEC. A related FOIA request, we noted that allegations of errors in shareholder meeting reports delivered to investor clients by proxy advisory firms are a major prong of the SEC's basis for proposing new and sweeping regulatory burdens on proxy advisory firms, including a system to guarantee that the subjects of proxy advisory firms' reports can access and add content to time-sensitive reports before they are available to proxy advisory firm clients, many of whom are CII members. CI requested an expedited response to the FOIA request, noting that the proposed rules have a comment period of just 60 days. On November 15th, CII and 74 investors and investor groups wrote to SEC Chairman Clayton to ask that the comment period for the agency's recent proposed rules on proxy advice and shareholder proposals be extended from 60 to 120 days. In that letter, CII said the rule proposals the SEC approved on November 5th are complex, run to a combined 320 pages, and include 345 separate questions seeking supporting data. The current 60-day comment period also includes at least three public holidays. The letter also noted that if adopted, the rules would result in the most significant changes to the voting rights of shareholders in decades. On November 22nd, CII sent a supplemental letter to the SEC adding an additional 16 signers to its November 15th letter, all supporting an extension of the comment period for the two SEC proposals from 60 to 120 days. On November 18th, SEC Commissioner Robert Jackson sent a response to a July letter from Representative Carolyn Maloney from New York regarding his research on the need for transparency in corporate political spending. 
Although Commissioner Jackson acknowledges that other types of corporate political spending are disclosed under the federal election law, he noted that those disclosures are not designed to protect investors and describe only companies' federal political spending, which he alleges results in most public company political spending occurring under investors' radar. Richard Jackson also argued that in the absence of SEC rules, investors have filed shareholder proposals at hundreds of public companies demanding transparency of corporate political spending, which certain institutional investors almost always vote against. Commissioner Jackson concluded in his letter that he expresses support for legislation that would require public companies to disclose whether and how they spend shareholder money on politics. On November 26th, CII delivered a letter to SEC Chairman Clayton in response to a November 21st joint letter from the Consumer Federation of America, AFL-CIO, Better Markets, Center for American Progress, and Americans for Financial Reform. The joint letter raised serious concerns about the Public Company Accounting Oversight Board's May 31st staff guidance on communications with audit committees concerning independence. CII's November 26th letter states that given the emphasis that CII membership-approved policies place on auditor independence, CII is concerned about two of the joint letter conclusions about the May PCOB staff guidance. First, CII is concerned about the joint letter conclusion that the May PCOB staff guidance directly conflicts with the position taken by the SEC with regard to the standard for determining independence, the role of audit committees in determining auditor independence, and the adequacy of safeguards to cure independence violations. CII's letter also raises concerns about the joint letter conclusion that the May PCOB staff guidance will permit independence violations to go unreported to investors and even mislead investors into believing that no such violations occurred. CII's letter requests that SEC Chairman Clayton, quote, carefully consider the issues raised by the joint letter, unquote. Turning now to the Trump administration, on November 20th, the Office of Management and Budget's Office of Information and Regulatory Affairs released its semi-annual Unified Agenda of Regulatory and Deregulatory Actions, highlighting the administration's efforts to address rules deemed to be, quote, ineffective, duplicative, and obsolete, unquote. Although these projected procedural timelines are non-binding, they often reflect an agency's relative prioritization of certain regulatory initiatives. CII and others were hopeful that the SEC was going to move expeditiously on universal proxies and proxy plumbing after SEC Chair Clayton's recent repeated public comments that the Commission would tackle those issues. However, the newly released agenda for the SEC is not encouraging because it continues to classify both universal proxies and proxy plumbing under its, quote, long-term actions list, unquote. The one positive from the new SEC agenda is that the 2015 proposed rulemaking on clawbacks, which CII publicly supported, has moved from the long-term actions list to the SEC's current agenda list. Now let's move to the U.S. Congress. On November 19th, the House Financial Services Committee held a hearing to examine the role of private equity firms in U.S. capital markets and their impact on the American economy. Chairwoman Maxine Waters from California noted that although there are some examples of private equity firms playing a beneficial role in the U.S. economy, there are far too many examples of private equity firms destroying companies and preying on hardworking Americans to maximize their profits. 
Ranking Minority Member Patrick Henry from North Carolina observed that private equity has become more important in the American economy due in no small part to the increased regulatory barriers imposed on public companies and stressed that the committee should be focused on removing those barriers. The hearing witnesses included Los Angeles County Employee Retirement Association trustee Wayne Moore. Mr. Moore told the committee that more information for private equity firms on fees, expenses, and returns is needed to ensure the proper alignment of interest between the financial services industry and public pension funds. The committee discussed three legislative proposals at the hearing. The first legislative proposal would impose new requirements on private equity funds, including requiring funds and their investors to maintain liability for debts incurred by acquired companies, and second, prohibiting capital expenditures for two years following a leveraged buyout. The second legislative proposal discussed at the committee hearing would require investment advisors of private funds to report to the SEC the race, ethnicity, and gender composition of the board of directors of private funds. The third legislative proposal would define private equity advisor and require private investors be provided with SEC filings, quarterly reports of fees and expenses, and all information related to an SEC examination, inquiry, and enforcement action. On November 25th, CII issued a letter to the chairman and ranking member of the House Committee on Financial Services in response to the November 19th hearing. The letter outlines our general views with respect to private equity funds and then comments on the third legislative proposal discussed at the hearing, which is entitled the Investor Advisor Alignment Act. Our letter expressed general support for the Investor Advisor Alignment Act. We noted that given the complexity of the fees and expenses charged to pension funds and other portfolio companies, Quarterly fee and expense reporting is critical to investors and should be included in any reform seeking transparency in private equity. Also on November 19th, the House of Representatives in a 281 to 135 vote passed H.R. 5084. H.R. 5084 requires public companies to disclose the racial, ethnic, and gender composition of their boards and executive officers, as well as the status of any of those directors and officers as an armed forces veteran. Other provisions in the bill require companies to disclose their plans to promote racial, ethnic, and gender diversity on their boards and in their executive ranks. The bill would also require companies to establish a diversity advisory group comprised of representatives from government, academia, and the private sector to report on strategies to increase diversity among board members. CII had issued a letter on July 10th generally supporting the Improving Corporate Governance Through Diversity Act of 2019. CII's July letter was cited by several members of Congress prior to the House floor vote, including by Representative Gregory Meeks of New York, who had introduced the bill. Our July letter had highlighted CII's policies that state, quote, CII believes a diverse board has benefits that can enhance corporate performance, particularly in today's global marketplace. Nominating committee charters or equivalent ought to reflect that boards should be diverse, including such considerations as background, experience, age, race, gender, ethnicity, and culture, unquote. Finally, in other recent corporate governance-related news, CII and the CFA Institute sent a joint letter on November 4th to the UK Department of Business, Energy, and Industrial Strategy, or BEIS. Our letter expressed support for adoption in the UK of requirements similar to the attestation over internal controls required by Section 404 of the Sarbanes-Oxley Act. Our joint letter notes that among its many benefits, Section 404 is, quote, an important driver of confidence in the integrity of financial statements and in fairness to the capital markets, unquote. 
The BEIS is considering amendments for improving the integrity of financial reporting and related auditing processes in the UK. That completes my monthly corporate governance and financial regulatory update. If you have any questions or comments regarding any of the issues I highlighted in this podcast, please feel free to email me at jeff at cii.org. That's J-E-F-F at cii.org. Or give me a call at 202-822-0800. Until next time, I'm Jeff Mahoney. Thanks for listening and have a happy Thanksgiving. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Voice of Corporate Governance, brought to you by the Council of Institutional Investors. The Voice of Corporate Governance is a free, non-sponsored podcast that highlights critical developments in corporate governance and other important issues affecting institutional investors. The views expressed by those interviewed on the podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of CII or its members. For more information on CII and its policies on corporate governance, please visit our website at www.cii.org.